Well, it's Thanksgiving season, so I want to do a, a Thanksgiving-focused message. Uh, don't forget, next Sunday, uh, we have a special treat. We have the Bluegrass Brethren uh, Gospel Band with us. Uh, very professional, very, very uh, good group. We all, we've had them here before. We enjoy them. It's a great time to bring friends or family uh, for that. And then secondly, I forgot to mention, uh, starting next Sunday, I'll start a, sh- a short-term Sunday school class. Uh, uh, it's specifically focused on folks that want to know what church membership is all about and if you're interested in becoming a member. Uh, but it's more than that, so feel free, free to come even if you're already a member. Uh, we're going to look at some just some core biblical doctrines, what the brethren believe uh, about certain things. Uh, and go over that. So go ahead and feel free to join us. We'll be in the room behind the church office uh, where the Boyle Heights uh, group met this morning. So uh, feel free to join us. Hey, I found a cool little quiz, a little Thanksgiving quiz here. I know uh, everybody likes a good quiz. So I guess two people don't like a good quiz. So. They're out of here. Okay. So see if you know the answers to some of these questions uh, about Thanksgiving. True or false, Thanksgiving is only celebrated in America. I mean the holiday. False. There is one other country that has a nationally recognized Thanksgiving holiday. Who is it? Oh, you guys are smart. Okay. I underestimated your intellect. Okay. Uh, yes, it's Canada. It's always the second Monday in October. Uh, that's early. Um, which department store held the first Thanksgiving Day parade? No, that's what I thought, too. If you're at Urban Hope, you should know this answer. Gimbals of Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Macy's is just a copycat. Yeah. Is there still a Gimbals department store in Philadelphia? Or is that gone? Okay. Just checking. I thought that was interesting. Uh, Let's see here. I'm not going to do all these, but some of them were. This one's funny. The real Plymouth Rock, where the pilgrims landed in the Mayflower. The real Plymouth Rock has a big crack in it. True or false? You're just guessing, aren't you? But it is true. Yeah. How many have seen the Plymouth Rock? Okay. Well, then you already know. It's been cracked a couple other times, too. They tried to move it during the Revolutionary War. Uh, to protect it, and they cracked it. So, uh, okay. So, why do they call a male turkey a tom? You know, male turkeys are called toms. See if you, because here's your choices. The Native Americans would lure the turkeys with their tom tom drums. Uh, it comes from an 18th century political cartoon, or it was named after Thomas Jefferson. What do you think? It was named after Thomas Jefferson because he made Benjamin Franklin mad. He did. Benjamin Franklin wanted the turkey to be our national bird. Uh, and Thomas Jefferson was opposed to it. So Benjamin Franklin started calling Thomas Jefferson, started calling turkeys Toms uh, to make fun of Thomas Jefferson. So that's nice, isn't it? Kind of gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling. Okay, true or false, if turkeys look up into the rain for too long, they can drown. Yeah, that is true. These aren't very hard. Okay. Just a couple more. I thought these were interesting. Which of these berries is not native to North America? Not native. The blueberry, the Concord grape, the cranberry, or the strawberry? Which is not native? 
The strawberry is not native. In fact, the cranberry, blueberry, and the Concord grape are the only three berries native to North America. So anyway, all right, you guys having fun? Okay. All turkeys gobble, true or false? False. It's false. Only the males gobble. Uh, the females make like a clicking noise. I don't know what that means, but uh, maybe they have bad knees. I don't know what the, the clicking is all about, but uh, let's see here. Just one more. <laughs> this, I should laugh. Which country considers the turkey to be a sacrificial bird? Uh, India, Japan, Mexico, or the country of Turkey? The turkey is a sacrificial bird in Mexico. Oh, that's kind of sad. But I guess it is here, too, huh? At least once a year. Okay. Do you know which state produces the most turkeys? 49 million a year? You'll never believe it. Minnesota. Minnesota. And second is North Carolina. So I knew North Carolina had a lot of turkeys, but I didn't know. All right. Last question. You probably know this already. What are unhappy cranberries called? Blueberries. Okay, so I thought that was good. Oh, yeah, I thought that was good, right? You know you're using that later. Okay, all right. So, you know, we read First Thessalonians 5 earlier, and we're going to look at that a little bit more. Uh, but for a lot of us, we just celebrate Thanksgiving one day a year. But what I want us to see, we're going to have sort of a Thanksgiving drive-by. I know that's probably not a, the greatest term to use in an urban area, but I thought it was good. Uh, because sometimes we don't know exactly what Thanksgiving is, what it even means. You know, uh, what God's expectation for us uh, being thankful is really all about. Uh, and really, in this day and age in which we live, there's so much pessimism in our country. People are just so... Uh, downcast and sad and troubled uh, about a lot of things. Uh, and it's interesting that we're commanded in the scriptures as Christians that that should never be the case with us. Uh, that a Christian should never be characterized as being ungrateful, uh, but characterized as being always thankful. So if you go to First Thessalonians chapter 5, it is interesting because... Um, as, you, as we look at the context, which we're not going to look at the whole context because we don't have that kind of time. Uh, but it is interesting that 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 comes right on the heels of a bunch of verses about the coming of the day of the Lord and the Lord's return, you know, and all that. And then he sort of puts on the brakes in verse 12. And it seems kind of abrupt uh, that he did that. And if you look at verse 11, Therefore, because of what I've just told you about the day of the Lord and the return of Christ, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. And then he goes into these practical instructions. And I think his point is we just covered something that's talking about the future. But Paul's saying, I want you to come back from the future so that we can think about today. We can think about now. Uh, there's some things you need to be concerned about now, today, how to live as a Christian today. Uh, don't check out of today just because, you know, your future is secure. And, you know, it's an old saying, but uh, don't become so heavenly minded that, you know, earthly good. Uh, and I'm afraid that 
maybe a lot of us who claim to be followers of Jesus have sort of checked out of the here and now because we're kind of holding out for the later. Uh, we should have had some of those candies. Do you ever eat now and later? Now or later? Is it now and later? Or. Is it or or and? And. See, so you know. All right. I guess you have to be 20 or younger to know what we're talking about. But I got it. Okay. So he says, here are some things we want you to focus on in the here and now. But let's think in verse 18, because it's Thanksgiving is really where we're going to start. We're going to take a quick little trip and then we're going to end up back at First Thessalonians 518 again. But he says there rejoice always in verse 16. Pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is interesting. Some people make the case when he says this is God's will for you, that it refers just to being thankful. Uh, But I think a strong case can be made that what is God's will here is that we're always rejoicing. We're always praying and we're always giving thanks. And by the way, we'll see it a little bit more in a moment. But it's really the adverbs that are carrying the power with those three words. And you're thinking, oh, English, what's an adverb, adverb, adverb? What is an adverb? It makes a verb even stronger. So do you remember Schoolhouse Rock? I was actually singing this when I was getting this ready. Lolly, 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 get your adverbs here. So you have to be over 20, I guess, to get that. I don't know. But those adverbs, look, it's not just that we rejoice. He says rejoice when? In verse 16, always. It's not just that we pray, but we pray without. And it's not just that we're thankful, but we're thankful in. See, those three adverbs were meant to be very startling, uh, very much meant to grab our attention. Okay, I can rejoice, but to rejoice always, that's pretty inclusive, isn't it? I mean, I can pray But praying at all times, being characterized, I'm so much a person that prays that it's as if I've never stopped praying. And I think I can be thankful, you know, once a year I can be thankful uh, on Thanksgiving Day, but to be thankful in everything. It's interesting, too, with the rejoicing and the praying, they have time elements, the without ceasing and the always. But the being thankful is talking about a wide scope. A universal inclusion. Now, there's no circumstance whatsoever where we wouldn't find ourselves being thankful. Interesting. But what does the word even mean? Here's maybe a definition. I just gave you a generic outline today. It's not real detailed. So you can unleash your creativeness uh, on there. Uh, Pictures, captions. uh, Just don't draw any of me, please. Or if you do, give me a full, beautiful head of hair. I would really appreciate that. All right. All right. So what does the word mean in Scripture? It means an expression of gratitude most often directed toward God. Now, this is interesting. Never in the Old Testament, when you see the words thankful, thankfulness, uh, thanks, it's in the Old Testament. It's never directed toward anyone but God. And in the New Testament, it's pretty exclusive as well. There's like three occasions where we see thanks being offered to someone other than God. Uh, And I think that is the essence of being thankful. The essence of being thankful is not the person who's being thankful or what we're being thankful for, but it's to whom is the thanks directed. That's what carries the weight of it. 
So it's the aspect of praise that gives thanks to God for what he does for us. It is interesting that praise is thanking God for who he is. Thanks, thanks is praising God for what he has done. And the two are inseparable. Thanksgiving and praise in the scriptures go together. We can't separate them. So to praise God means I'm praising him. I'm adoring him for who he is, his attributes, his qualities. Being thankful means I'm praising God for what he has done, what he has done. And it's really almost impossible to separate the two. As we said earlier, the Old Testament has no concept of thanks being independent of or distinguished from praise. And the object is always God, always God. Now, there is a danger to praise. In Proverbs 27, we see this praise directed from man to man can be a dangerous thing. Because it says there, the crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold. And each is tested by the praise accorded him. That means if someone's praising me or thanking me, there's a temptation there to feel maybe too good about myself. Maybe to take a little too much credit. It takes the attention away from God and it puts it on me. And so there's a danger. And that's why the Old Testament only mentions thankfulness being directed toward God. In fact, the Jewish people had an offering called a thank offering. Technically, it was part of the peace offerings, but it was subtitled thank offering. In the Old Testament, they would even take vows of thanksgiving. They would have individual laments. They would even have corporate lamenting as a people of God as they were gathered together. And they would often during these times make vows of thanksgiving, making a commitment, making a conscious resolution to be thankful. That's why many places in the Old Testament you see someone saying, I will give thanks. Or especially in the Psalms, as a group of people, they say, we will give thanks. Then in the Old Testament, and these are just two verses, but we see this again and again and again. When these vows of thanksgiving are made, they're often fulfilled or stamped as official in a joyful song of thanksgiving for God's mercy and deliverance. That's another interesting aspect of being thankful. The connection of being thankful to music, to expressing that thankfulness to God in song. And that's one of the reasons God has given us music and given us song, because it's important that we use that. As a way to voice our thanksgiving and our praise to God for who he is and for what he has done. And I think this is radical. Heat up the tar, start plucking the feathers. This may sound a little radical, but I really think any music that does not direct itself toward praise to God may be misplaced use of music. Okay, I'm moving on before you can really think what I just said. Okay, Psalm 26, 6 and 7. The psalmist said, I shall wash my hands in innocence, and I'm going to go about your altar, O Lord. Why? That I may proclaim with the voice of what? Thanksgiving and declare all your wonders. So the context for Thanksgiving is worship. So to bring it up, To us today, 
Thanksgiving should always be a part of our worship when we're together corporately. Or part of our worship when we're just alone with the Lord all by ourselves. It's really important to include what we are thankful for. We adore God by praising him and we praise God by thanking him for what he has done. Psalm 69 says, I will praise the name of God with song and magnify him with thanksgiving. Notice that thanksgiving magnifies God. When I'm thankful, it makes God appear to be even bigger. Because I'm drawing attention to him. And it will please the Lord better than I am thankful than even an ox or a young bull. So in other words, God says, I would rather you be thankful than to try to bring me some religious sacrifice or some sort of religious or spiritual activity. I would rather you have a thankful heart. And Paul told the Corinthians the same things, right? Same thing, right? What kind of giver does God love? A cheerful. What kind of giver does God love? Cheerful. Wow, that was cheerful. Eeyore in the house. Okay. God's very much concerned with the heart, with the attitude. I think sometimes we try really hard to please God more by our doing than by our being. And our doing is most pleasing to him when our being is right. Some people say, well, at least I'm here. I came to church, you know. Um, I hate to burst your bubble there, buddy, but um, it's best if you're here. It says what in Psalm 100? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Now, what about being thankful in the New Testament? I put up all those words only because what do you think the root word of those first three words is? I mean, what does it remind you of? Eucharisteo, Eucharistia, Eucharistas, or, you know, on and on. Sounds like what? Eucharist. And what's the Eucharist? It's part of our communion service. Exactly. But also the word thanks in the New Testament sometimes, I think 11 or 12 times, is they use the word charis for being thankful. But we don't normally associate the word charis with thankfulness. Charis is what English word do we use that's the Greek word charis? Grace. Undeserved favor. When we're talking about the grace of God, we're talking about him showing us favor that we don't deserve. And when we sit down in a meal, we should be praying for that meal. And that is often called what? Saying grace. Duh. And by the way, Jesus prayed, set the pattern of praying before he ate. Uh, We see that a lot in the scripture. Paul told Timothy, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's use that word there. So as in the Old Testament, when we're looking at Thanksgiving in the New Testament, it's exclusively directed toward God. With just three exceptions there. Uh, We don't really need to worry about those. And in the Gospels, in the book of Acts, we see that the tone of Thanksgiving dominates the prayers of the New Testament. Whenever Paul's writing out a prayer or Paul says that he's praying for people, he's always mentioning being thankful. I told someone today during the meet and greet, I'm so I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful you're here. You're very faithful. It encourages me. I'm thankful to God that you are here. 
In Matthew 15, Jesus prayed before feeding the 4,000. In John 6, Jesus prayed before feeding the 5,000, even at the Last Supper. Think of the, of the duress and the distress that Jesus was under that last night, knowing what was coming, he still stops. And he says a prayer, including Thanksgiving, at the meal. So Paul's on this ship, remember? This ship is going to go down. Eventually, it's going to be shipwrecked. His life is in peril. But even then, before they have a meal, it says that he prays. He directs that thankfulness toward God for what God has done. It is interesting in John chapter 11 uh, with Lazarus, when Jesus came upon the scene. Remember, Lazarus was dead. Everybody was really upset. Uh, And Jesus, what does he do? He stops and he prays. And what I love about that prayer is Jesus says in his prayer, he's praying to his father. He says, I thank you that you hear me. I know that you always hear me when I pray. So he's connecting thankfulness of anticipation of God answering prayer. That's what Philippians 4 is all about. Don't be anxious for anything, but with prayer and supplication, offer up your requests with thanksgiving to God. Being thankful for what God has done, but also being thankful in advance for what you know God will do. I think that's that's pretty radical. You know, I'm thankful, Lord, I know you're going to answer this prayer. It's not so much I'm thankful, Lord, that you're going to work this out to my advantage and exactly what I prayed for, I'm going to get. So I thank you in advance. That would be prosperity gospel. We don't really want any of that. What we're saying is I thank you in advance, Lord, because I know you hear me when I'm praying and I know you will accomplish your will. And I thank you in advance for taking action on my behalf, whatever that may be. Then, of course, in Luke chapter 18, we see someone who is not a follower of Jesus who is praying. This is one of the sad things about prayer to me, because I often hear uh, the unbeliever, including my own family members, talking about prayer and praying to God. Uh, But if someone is not a true believer in Jesus Christ, yes, God hears their prayer, but God never takes any action in their favor. For those prayers. And of course, you remember what that Pharisee was praying, right? God, I'm so thankful that I'm not like these people. <laughs> wow. Maybe we say that to ourselves sometimes, but maybe I don't think we actually formalize that into a prayer. Uh, I hope not. But it was a vain prayer and prayers can be vain. Paul's letters hold the largest reference The largest references to giving thanks. Paul's overflowing in thankfulness to God. He's thanking God for everything, for God's provisions, uh, for other people, for even clothing. I mean, he just goes on and on in all of his letters and he never stops giving thanks. And in Paul's letters, if you look closely, we see that thankfulness is listed there right along with faith and love as the proper and natural response to God's gifts and his grace. And this is the important thing about thankfulness for the Christian, that God is glorified through the thanksgiving of his people. When we are thankful people, when that's our attitude, not just one day a year, it magnifies God. 
It makes him greater. It draws more attention to him when we can be thankful. So adoration is praising God for who he is. Thanksgiving is praising God for what he does. And we should be like the writer of Psalm 71. He says, I will praise you, O Lord, more and more. We should be thankful more and more and grateful more and more as we stop and we think about all that God has done. In fact, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at the connection between thankfulness and evangelism. The connection between thankfulness and evangelism. The goal of Paul's evangelism ministry was to bring great numbers to Christ in order to increase the prayers of thanksgiving, thus bringing glory to God. Paul says there. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people getting saved and this may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. So when someone who is formerly not a believer in Christ embraces Christ and decides to follow Christ, it brings glory to God because the thanksgivings should flow. We don't have time to read it, but if you go on to chapter nine there, I kind of piece some of these verses together. Paul's talking about sending a gift to the saints in Jerusalem because they were struggling. And he says, your gift to the saints in Jerusalem will enrich you by producing thanks to God. In fact, by supplying their needs, there will be an overflowing of thanksgiving to God. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So even giving produces thanksgiving. Giving to others, helping others. Now, Paul says that it is the duty of every believer in Jesus to be thankful. In fact, he goes beyond that in Romans 1. He says it's really the duty of all of mankind to be thankful. One of the problems with man in Romans chapter 1 is they neither gave thanks to God nor worshipped him as God. Think about that. Romans chapter 1 is about the downward moral spiral of mankind into depravity. And Paul says, where did it all start? It all started with an ungrateful attitude toward God. In fact, Paul tells Timothy that ingratitude is one of the qualities that will describe what humanity is like in the last days. Which, by the way, when are the when do the last days begin? Trick question. You're all looking at Jennifer's looking at me like "Hmm, I should know that I should know that. Now, we're in the last days. We're in the last days. Does ingratitude and unthankfulness seem to describe a lot of the world that we live in today? It does. It does. We're seeing a lot of it. Colossians 3.17 Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. We know that part. But have you ever noticed there's still another part to that verse? Giving thanks to him through God the Father. Do you know what he's saying there? 
whatever you're doing, word or deed, the mundane, normal, everyday things of life. You can infuse those things by being thankful and make them acts of worship. The most mundane things of life can become acts of worship to God if we have an attitude of thankfulness when we do it. It may sound crazy, but and not to be silly, but think of the most mundane things that we do every day. We go to work. We have to water the yard and all that landscaping now. One day a week, when you come over and you see it, it's not me. It's the city of Buena Park. It's their fault. Mondays only. Have to do the front and the back. Mundane. But how do you make that mundane activity an act of worship? By being thankful. Thank you, Lord, for this home. Thank you, Lord, for the best landlord on the whole entire planet. Oh, my landlord's here. Oh, okay. Thank you that he's going to lower our rent there, Lord. See, I'm, I'm, I'm thanking the Lord in advance, see? So, no, I'm just kidding. We do have a wonderful landlord. We, and I'm out there watering. What am I doing? A lot of times I'm praying. Thank you, Lord, for this home. You know, just thank you for our neighbors. And I see the neighbors and talk to them and just thank you for this weather. And, and just having that attitude, that heart, not the, the grumbling uh, You've seen me try to get that hose. I, I can fight and wrestle with a hose. I get, it's really easy for me to get upset if it gets all twisted. But we have to be careful. We have to be thankful. We have to be thankful in all circumstances. Colossians 2. You have received Christ, so now walk in him. That's the way the Bible says live. Live like a Christian. Walk in him. Having been firmly rooted, being built up in him and established in your faith. And overflowing with what? Gratitude. Gratitude. Let it overflow. We already mentioned that Thanksgiving must be a mark of corporate worship in the church, especially in song. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with what? Thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, when we're singing, we should be consciously thinking about how thankful we are. For who God is and for everything that he has done. And the song that we sing is something we give back to him. Because what could we ever give God? What does God need? He's like that person on your Christmas list. What do you buy a God who has everything? I mean, what do you? We can't. We can't give him any tangible material earthly thing. But we can give him our hearts. We can give him our praise. We can give him our thanksgiving. And the scriptures tell us that he loves it. He loves it when his people are thankful. We should be grateful to God for all things, but especially for the work of salvation and sanctification that he does in our lives. Sanctification means we grow spiritually after we come to the Lord. First Thessalonians 2 says we constantly thank God that you receive the word of God, which performs its work in you. Who believe. Have you ever been thankful that you're growing in your knowledge of Christ and you're growing in your understanding of Christ? I, I am many times. I can sense that I'm growing. I can sense that I'm learning. I can sense that I'm obeying a little bit more. And I don't take credit for that. I say, thank you, God. 
for doing that work in my heart and in my life. You know, we don't dare take credit for any of that. So wrapping it up, let's go back to First Thessalonians where we began. A few things I just want to point out in the few minutes that we have left. As we already mentioned, we see a triplet of commands there. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. And it's those adverbs of always, without ceasing, and in everything that raise the bar, that really lift us out of the ordinary into something extraordinary. He says, thanks in everything. This is to remind us that to be able to be thankful in everything is something that can only come about by God's grace in my life. That we do not by nature thank God in every situation. Good, bad, ugly, easy, hard, victoriously defeated. But we're called to be thankful. Notice what he's saying here. I didn't really highlight it, but I should have. Our duty to be thankful in everything is not dependent on gratifying circumstances. We tend to think or we tend to act thankful only when the really good things are happening or when things are really in our favor. But that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying even when our circumstances are not in our favor, even when they're not gratifying, so to speak, we are called in our duty to the Lord to be thankful from the heart, not begrudgingly. It's all inclusive. The word everything is all inclusive. We are to meet every circumstance in life, not with some kind of stoic resignation, but with joy and praise of thanksgiving. Think about Paul and Silas when they were in jail. That's listed in Acts 16. What were they doing when they were chained up, sitting in jail, wondering what was going to happen to them? What did they start doing? Yeah, what any person in jail would do. They sang. You know, it's really quite radical. You think, were they doing that just to put on a show? No, that flowed from their hearts. They, they had a heart that was thankful. It didn't matter where they were. But in their dependence upon God in a very difficult circumstance, they reminded themselves, hey, we need to worship the Lord because God gives and God takes away. But blessed be the name of God. Does it matter? The circumstance, I need to be thankful. Well, how can a person do this? How can I be a person that can be thankful in everything? Well, I have to be a person that understands Romans 8, 28, a verse that a lot of us know. And if you know it, you can say it with me. God works all things together for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. One person said this. If I grasp what Romans 8, 28 is saying, I can go from the amen of understanding God's will to the hallelujah of being thankful. I understand that every aspect of God's will in my life is for my good. Doesn't mean that it feels good. It means that it is good. And then I submit myself to God's will. And if that's the case, if I truly believe that, then thanksgiving and praise will naturally come. And Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, this is God's will for you. Those are strong 
words. It is God's will for us to be thankful. A lot of us struggle. What is God's will? What is God's will? I'm so stressed out. What is God's will? You know, should I look for a new job? Should I take this job? You know, should I buy that car? Should we get that house? Should we go on vacation? Oh, I don't know. Uh, you know, Sebastian, I'm sure you got three, three women. Which one do you pick? You know, what's, what, is, what is God's will? What's God's will? Sorry. God's moral will is always revealed in Scripture, and meaning what's right, what's wrong. We know it's God's will that we rejoice always, that we pray with unceasing, and that we're thankful in everything. Rejoicing, prayer, and thanksgiving are linked. One writer said this, If the dove of Christian joy is continually to mount upward, it must fly on the wings of prayer and thanksgiving. If I want to be a person full of joy, I have to be a thankful person, I have to be a person who prays. They're all linked together. This isn't Paul's own personal ideal for believers, but it's God's will, his gracious purpose and design. Now, notice what it says there. We might get some uh, sad emoji faces. This eliminates an attitude of pessimism in facing the events of life. That's what Paul's saying. And you're like, oh, pastor, you had me until that. It doesn't mean we put some psycho smile on our face. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. It's not an insincere faking. You know, being thankful is a deep-seated attitude within my heart because I believe that God is sovereign and he is working for my good. So how can I face anything in life with pessimism if I believe? Let me say that again. Think about our country. Think about what's going on. Think about what's happening even in our own city. If I believe that God is sovereign and working for my good, then I cannot be pessimistic. It's impossible. If God is on my side, then how could I possibly live with any type of pessimism? Now, we might want to talk about hope. I believe a lot of people are negative and pessimistic and sad today because they have misplaced hope. If we put our hope in the political system, if we put our hope in the government, if we put our hope in a president, if we put our hope in the economy, if we put our hope in social justice or income equality, if we're putting our hope in any of those things, of course, we're going to be disappointed and pessimistic. But if we put our hope In a person, if we put our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no way we could be pessimistic. We don't have to be pessimistic. We have such an awesome, amazing message to bring, and especially during this time in our country. Don't join in the pessimism. Don't join in the wrangling. Take advantage of the opportunity to be the light and to share the hope that we have. Right. He says, be thankful in everything. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's really important because Christ is the pattern and the source that we follow for being thankful. Christ has set us the example in his humanity that he was thankful and that union we have with him. When we come to Christ for salvation, the scriptures tell us that we are now united with Christ. 
And then the Holy Spirit comes, takes up residence in our life. And it's that power that comes from God, not from ourselves, that teaches us to be thankful in everything. It cannot be manufactured in our humanity. It's not possible. God's will, he says, for you. Also important for you. What Paul is saying is being thankful is God's will for you specifically, personally. There's specific application for your life. Actually, literally, he says God's will into you. Our English translates it for you when in reality it says this is God's will into you. That's really interesting because he's saying the truth that's stated here about being thankful is supposed to reach out and become operative in my life. It comes into me. And then because he says you for you, it's talking about you specifically and you specifically and you and you and you and you. There's personal specific applications of where you can be thankful where I cannot. And why? That just spreads and magnifies God even more, bring him more and more glory. An attitude of gratitude should be part of your fabric of being a Christian. I think this might be the last slide. One writer said this about those words there. He says, Paul's not saying you must do it because God wills it. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's not that you must do it because God wills it. But what Paul is saying is, knowing that it's God's will, you can do it. You can be thankful because you know that's what God wants you to do. And he's not going to ask you to do anything that he doesn't equip you to be able to do. So it doesn't matter what situation we may be facing. We know that God is sovereign. We know that his will is perfect. And we know that it's good and that he's working in our behalf. And so we know that it's his will to be thankful. So we can be thankful. Let's stand together. Let's have a closing word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we know that being thankful is a choice. Uh, that we can resolve within our thinking, within our hearts, ahead of time, that I will be thankful today. That we praise you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done. And, of course, the greatest thing we're thankful for is that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. He paid a price that we could never afford. So that we could have eternal life. If we're ever struggling to be thankful, then we can be thankful for that. That should be at the top of the list. But knowing that our Lord Jesus is on the throne. Knowing that he is king. Knowing that he's always working to bring about what's best in our lives. According to his plan and his will. We can't help but have joy. We can't help but be thankful. We don't need to be weighed down by the woes of the world and the, the, the darkness that uh, tries to just bring all that negativity. Because we're children of God. 
and we have the light and we have our Lord and Savior Jesus who all work on our behalf. So as Christians, we should be, we know, the most thankful people on the planet. And Father, I'm thankful that being thankful doesn't depend on favorable circumstances. That we don't have to have everything going our way in order to praise and thank you. Because Paul also told the Romans that he was convinced that there was nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And our Lord himself told us that he would never leave us or forsake us. So, Father, for those things, we're truly thankful today. I want to thank you for those that have prepared the food for lunch. We pray that it would be a blessing to remind us of all that you have done for us. And, Father, we look forward in anticipation uh, to what you are going to be doing among us as a church, among us in our families, even in our nation. uh, Because we know you are an active God uh, and you're always at work. So, Father, may we leave here today just full of thanksgiving, overflowing abundantly. And may we reflect on that, not just at Thanksgiving Day, but may it become part of the fabric of who we are as Christians. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here today. And don't forget, please join us upstairs for lunch. There's plenty of food.